Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. That is good. You say that all the time. It's, I believe it. I believe it. It's just you know, a matter of experiencing it, opening yourself up to experience that. Amen. It's so good to see you here this morning. I mean, you could have been a dozen different places on a Sunday morning, including your bed. No one wants to amen. They're like, I I thought it, but I didn't want to say it out loud. But you're here, you're with us. And I just really love what uh, Pastor Kristen was sharing there because it's true, you know. Um, Let me say this. Uh, This is not a church. This building. We're the church. Do we all understand that? And so the church, man, it's like, I picture the church like it's a tent. So whenever you pick up and go somewhere, the church is gone, right? So it's not necessarily that you have to be in a building, but I think relationship is important. And I know for some of us, you know, we've been hurt by religion. We've, you know, gone through issues in our life. And so we're thinking those things through and that's great. But there's just such a power in numbers. And so when you can link up with people who believe the same way, people who are of your tribe, because listen, we don't have to agree on everything to be friends, but man, there's power when you hook up to someone where there's some, some common faith and some common belief. Can I get one amen? I mean, there's something about that. It just, it helps catapult things. It, it's like this catalyst that moves things further. And how many know that uh, we're not here on earth so we can go someplace later. We're here on earth to advance the kingdom of God. Now, will I go someplace later? I would think so at some point. I hope it's not too soon. I'm not standing at a rapture bus stop. I'm not trying to get out of here too soon. There's, there's a lot of life left in me, I believe, to live for the kingdom. There's so many people that need hope and need healing and need restoration. And I just like, I love being able to be utilized in that way for the gospel. I know mean, God doesn't use us, but he includes us. Now, I know what we mean when we're like, man, Lord, I just, I want you to use me, Lord. I want you to use me. But that's just kind of those Christianese terms that some people don't understand. Because some people have been used and abused and they don't like that. In fact, some people have gone to churches and men in pulpits have used and abused them in the name of God. And so we really strive to not do that here. We really want you to follow Holy Spirit. We don't want a bunch of baby Christians who can't hear the voice of God for themselves. It's so important we hear the voice of God, but there's something about when we come together and we knit together and we have faith together for our community and for those around us, and we really together can move the kingdom forward. How many know it's moving? It's advancing. So get on with it. Let's do this together because it's so much fun to be in the flow. And I think in saying that, that, that flow is so important because the, I believe spirit's flowing in different ways and different times and different seasons. You know, Devin, you just talked about different seasons. And so we have to be okay with that. Stay in that flow, stay in that vein. Because I've had people say, man, just, man, remember when the Holy Spirit was really strong, like in the 90s? And I'm going, what, what happened? Did you become less aware of his presence? Oh, you're hooked up to a certain way things were done. This isn't my notes, so this is good. You need to be taking notes. But think about that. We're, we're locked into modes and methods in ways that, that it should be done because it was done like that 20 years ago. And Holy Spirit's like, things change. Culture changes. Let's be relevant. It's okay. The message never changes, but relevance can. 
And so, I mean, I've seen so many write-ups lately about people are just leaving the church, churches in droves because of, and they list all the stuff that we do that's modern. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of a skewed perspective. Maybe people are leaving the church because there's no life there. Maybe they're leaving the church because we present a God who's angry and can't stand you and doesn't want to be around you and you'll never measure up. And you're like, then why the heck would I go there anyway? I'm just trying to be real. I told you 2020 is like, it's the real year. Will the real Pastor Andy please stand up? Not that I've ever been fake, but, but honestly, I, I, I just want to be, I just want to go with where kingdom's going. And so we're going to deal with some issues this year, things that might be uncomfortable, things that may feel a little awkward because we've been locked into this Christian evangelical fundamentalist box, and I want to break us out of those boxes. I want us to, to see the kingdom. Think about this. People would say, what must I do to see the kingdom? We've turned it into, what prayer must I pray to go someplace in the future? They weren't asking that question. Most Jews didn't think much about afterlife. They were saying, what must I do to see here and now this kingdom of God that should be advancing? Now, these people, of course, were under Roman occupation. There was a certain time frame that they were speaking of. But even here and now, what must we do to see the kingdom? We have to open our eyes. And sometimes in order to open our eyes, we have to get outside the boxes that have been built around us. Does that make sense? And so today we're going to talk a little bit about what we may have to do to allow ourselves to have time to connect with people, to grow with people in this journey of life. So I want to continue this morning, and I didn't know if it was going to be a series or not. We did one last week. It's called I Choose. Say, I Choose. And last week, we, the title was, or the idea was, I Choose Purpose Over Popularity. How many were here for that? Yeah. But last week, we, this, we started this series, I Choose, and if you haven't had a chance to hear it, you can check it out on either the website, faithcity.tv, or you can go, we have an Apple podcast, so make sure you check that out. But I want to continue in this vein today of I Choose, and I think it's important that as we get into this, that we really engage with this. So I want you to kind of clear your head. If you want to take some notes, let's take some notes. So I want to continue this morning in this idea of choosing, and I want to talk about the idea of I Choose... Now listen to this, important over urgent. Important over urgent. Say this with me. I will always make time to live the life God has given me. Now it's on the screen. Let's say it together. I will always make time to live the life God has given me. Now, hopefully by the end, we can say that with a little bit of humph, right? Like, wow, I mean that. that. That's something I really want to live in this life. Choosing the important over the urgent will give us the time we need to live our lives with purpose. And so I want to open and start today in the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to look at chapter 6. This is a um, pretty familiar portion of Scripture. I love it here in the message, starting with verse 30. He says, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never, ever seen. How many have just even gone down the expressway and you just see the wildflowers growing or you take a walk or a drive in the country, you see all these wildflowers and that's just like a portion of what really exists or is there. He says, most of which are never seen. He says, don't you think he'll attend to you? 
Look at this, take pride in you. Do his best for you. See, I love that Jesus was, he was always using pictures and parables and stories to draw us into more or greater truth, especially the truth about ourselves. Because I mean, most of us, we learn better through visualizing things. He goes on to say, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Come on, that is like the coolest translation right there. To not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. He says, people who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Look at this. Steep your life. Now, how many here love tea? Four of us. That's awesome. Most of us are coffee drinkers, but think about this idea of steeping. Have you ever steeped tea for yourself or someone? So you have hot water and usually you have either the tea bags or you have that little, you ever use that metal ball where you put your own stuff in and it makes you better than everyone else with the tea bags? But you know, you put it in there and what happens? What do we do? What do we allow it to do? Steep. And what happens with that hot water is whatever's within that packet, it infuses with the water. So he's literally saying, steep or allow these things to infuse in you. Look at this, steep your life in what? God reality, God initiative, God provisions. And look at this, don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Now, other versions say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Have you heard that before? Seek ye first the kingdom. It's putting the kingdom first. See, seeking his kingdom first will help solidify the important in our life over the urgent. So here's the question. What does it mean to choose the important over the urgent? I mean, what does that really mean? Because some are still going, I don't understand what you're saying there. I'll give you some examples. Getting a quick meal through the drive-thru at Burger King or McDonald's, that's urgent. Planning ahead and preparing a menu of healthy foods, That's important. How about this? Compulsive buying right there, then and there, because you feel it and you got to do it. What would that be? Urgent. Taking time to plan and write out a budget would be important. You see how when you do the important, sometimes it allows you to say no to the urgent. I mean, you know, we all have things coming at us every single day. Urgent, urgent, you got to do this, respond to this, respond to that, urgent, urgent. I mean, constantly notifications going off on Facebook, it's urgent. I have to answer this person because I disagree with them. Maybe the important thing is to just love them from afar and close your mouth for a sec. Did I just say that out loud? 2020, the real Pastor Andy just stood up. Listen, I love you guys and I really want us to get to the place where we can just be honest and open about stuff. I mean, how do we receive healing and and receive truth that leads to freedom as we know that truth if we're not open, if we're not honest, if we're not transparent with the issues we have or the way we think? Let's not be embarrassed anymore about our thought process. Maybe just be honest about, hey, this is where I am. And you're, okay, that's where you are. And we can come together. We can talk things out and maybe figure out or maybe not figure out. Maybe just let Holy Spirit figure out as we go. That's the beauty of this, this relationship with God.
Because a lot of times what happens, and it's no fault, good intentions, is you show up to a church on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening or a Wednesday. Remember when we had those services? And, and someone preaches a really good Holy Ghost message, and you're like, I need Jesus. And you come to the altar, and you pray a prayer. And someone comes up like, brother, it's so awesome. You're part of the family. Now, here's the pamphlet. You're like, the pamphlet? Yeah, here's what you need to start doing. The person barely said amen, and we're telling them what they need to start doing. Instead of saying, wow, let's go out for coffee. Let's talk about life. I want to get to know who you are. I want to know how you tick. I want to know what, what makes you go in this world. Why? Because through that process, Holy Spirit will have words of, uh, that are seasoned that you can speak in their life. And guess what? Holy Spirit's going to deal with people with whatever issues. We feel like, with good intentions, I need to change you somehow so you agree with me. But I found when I hang out with people that I'm not in complete agreement with, sometimes I'll leave that table and go, I got some stuff to think about. And it wasn't until I learned that it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to change your mind about what you believe. That Right? I mean, how could Paul tell us in Romans to be transformed by the renewing of our mind? That word renewing in the Greek actually means renovation. Transformed is the same word that was used when Jesus was transfigured before the disciples. How do we have transformation in our life? It's the idea of the caterpillar who goes into the cocoon and comes out something completely different. But listen, the DNA for the butterfly was always present. But some things there had to be added to that mixture in order for him to come out. See, sometimes we're just looking for people, you got to change, you got to change right now, right here and now, instead of going through the process. Can you imagine one day you're walking down and you're like, what's that? And you see this caterpillar and and you think you hear a little tiny voice. You might need some help. But you think you hear a tiny little voice and so you get down and you're listening like, oh my gosh, and you hear this conversation that the caterpillar is having with itself. He's like, I just need to be a butterfly. And I need to be a butterfly right now. Like, like I, know I've been, I, I know I've been a caterpillar for like three days, but I have to be a butterfly. Now, if I could speak caterpillarian, is that a language? I would say, dude. And she would say, do that? Sorry, I didn't pick up and look, but I say, do that. Just relax. You'll be a butterfly one day. Yeah, but I've got to get there. Like, I've got to hurry right now. No, no. Why would you hurry? Think about this with our kids. I mean, if, if our children were born out of the womb, walking and talking, I would probably run out. Well, like, what is going on? I mean, that doesn't happen. They're helpless. They're hopeless. But what happens is they slowly learn how to just, just roll over, right? Do you remember the first time your child rolled over? You're like just in tears. And it's amazing. You're like, they rolled over. Big deal. <laughs> right? But they roll over. You celebrate that. And eventually they get up on all fours and eventually they crawl. And then before you know it, they're hanging on to stuff and they're walking and then they're hanging, not hanging on to stuff and walking. And it's a process. And we celebrate the process all along. And somehow we don't think God, our pater, our source, our origin, celebrates those moments as we grow. Like he's in a hurry. Did you not read the pamphlet? The pamphlet from the heavenly printing press. <laughs> no, that was a church printing press with good intentions. And I'm not saying we shouldn't grow, but growth doesn't happen by forcing it to happen. It's a natural process. And I believe even as we grow in our soul, it's a natural process. But sometimes we can stagnate. 
We can just stay in a spot and not want to move. And I believe the Holy Spirit's like, come on, kind of like you do there. Come on, you can do this. You can do that. See, we're not forcing, but we're encouraging them. Come on, walk. Come on, walk. And then when they take, I mean, they take one step, they're like, oh my God, they walked. And you call everyone you can. You put it on Facebook and you're thinking, yeah, it's one step, dude, but good for you. (laughs) But we celebrate those moments. And I believe that God is the same with us. So it's this whole idea of choosing the important over the urgent. Here's another one. When we choose arguing over every fault and issue, that's urgent. But learning communication and conflict resolution skills is important. I know those are big words, but basically learning how to deal with yourself and then you can deal with others. Does that make sense? Sometimes we don't want to do the hard work of saying, Holy Spirit, I need some changes. I'm not real good with communication. I still struggle with this. Just ask my wife. I still struggle with communication, but we're learning how to, even if we have conflict, to resolve it as quickly as humanly possible. We don't sweep it under the rug, but there's no reason to hold a grudge. What if today is the last day we see each other on this earth? I don't want the regret of, well, I gave her a half kiss on the way out to make her pay. Well, was it worth it? Think through these things. Holding on to offense is urgent. Learning how to forgive and forgive quickly is important. So you kind of get in the flow? You see, when we allow the urgent to overpower the important, our lives become full of chaos, confusion, and conflict. Now, maybe you're a person here today who is constantly living in chaos and conflict. Has that been your life? Was that 2019 for you? where you just felt like there's conflict, there's, there's chaos, I don't know, up from down, what is going on in my life? Whether it be in your relationships, your finances, I mean, there's a plethora of things we could talk about this morning, <laughs> different scenarios, but we won't. But how many are tired of living that way? I'm raising my hand. I'm just tired of living in conflict and chaos. I'm ready to just say, Holy Spirit, just speak to me, work through me, work in me, point out those areas of my life, I need to begin to choose the important over the urgent. You see, Jesus invites us to a whole different way of living. I think sometimes we believe that Jesus only came here to talk to us about this future, future eternal place. Now, do I believe in life everlasting? Do I believe in afterlife? Absolutely, I do. But I think sometimes we get so preoccupied with what's going to happen that we forget about what is happening. And so we have this escapist mentality, just get me out of here. I don't want to be in this. Now listen, I've been in situations where I'm like, I I don't want to be here anymore. I understand that. But I've also learned how to be patient, how to share grace with others sometimes, and, and to say, Holy Spirit, I know this isn't from you, but can you help me to learn and grow through this process? Because I know it's not from you, but the process is here. I don't like it. I want to be out of it. But while I'm here, maybe I can learn something. No, that's not every single time. I have those days. I just said it this morning where I'm just like cursing the sky, you know? I mean, it's okay to feel those feelings and have those feelings and say those things. But in the end, when we get that off our chest, because we're humans with emotions, it's saying, okay, now I'm going to quiet down. I need to hear your voice, Holy Spirit. What are you saying to me? in this situation right now. But again, we, 
we put Jesus in, in this place where he was just here and all he was talking about, he was floating two inches off the ground, he was glowing, and all he talked about was afterlife. But the truth is, when people would say things like, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be born again? They were Jews asking Jewish things. It was Jewish terms. Being born again, we've turned that into when you pray a prayer. But then, for them, born again was transformation. It was changing your mind. Eternal life was living the highest level of life here and now. And what that meant to the the Jew was to actually live out Torah. And Jesus came to show us all of that is summed up in one thing. It's called love. Can you live in love? And he'd say crazy things like, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. How do I do that? Well, it's not going to be easy. But when you do you will experience eternal life. Now again, I'm not taking away afterlife. Listen, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, but sometimes we can take these terms and just a little twist to them suddenly it becomes about something later instead of something now. Where he's like, be transformed now. Be born again now. Even the idea of being saved. Salvation isn't a one-time deal. The word saved in the Greek means preservation, safety, healing, wholeness, deliverance, rescue. How many could say that not every area of your life has experienced those things yet? To those being saved. We're to work out our salvation. So it's not a one and done thing. I pray to prayer, it's all good. Lord, take me away. It's like, no, Lord... Keep ministering salvation to me, working salvation to me and then through me so others, say others, others can experience salvation. It's just, it's, it's amazing when we see it for that. But the truth is he was trying to get us to a place where we are living our best life here and now. Now, when you say things like that, it could sound like a televangelist. It could sound like the health and wealth gospel idea. I'm not saying that. Now, listen. Material things aren't bad. Now, I think we need to maybe reduce some of the material things, especially the screens and the things that captivate all our time, hog all our time. No one's amen to me on that. I get it. This thing's always in my hand. I'm like, I'm just hitting it. I need another hit of dopamine, man. Come on. Give me another notification. <sighs> right? Like another hit of your phone. I mean, it's just what it feels like sometimes. Like, and, and it's good to just leave your phone somewhere else. So you can be present. I know I'm talking. I know I'm preaching to the choir right now. But what it's about is it's about coming to this place where we're receiving healing. You know, Jesus, I believe, was all about the soul. The soul is so deep and we need healing. He, he said, I, I didn't come for the, the well. I came for the sick. He's this physician that wants to heal us, not just in physical bodies, but I think even more than that at times, the physical issues and the ailments are because of the internal I mean, science has proven this. We hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness and things like this. It just manifests in so many different ways. But he really wants us to live our best life here and now. It's about emotional health. It's about soul health. It's about understanding our identity. That applies anywhere on the planet. I said this before, but if you're preaching what we would call the gospel, you should be able to preach what you're preaching anywhere in the world, and it makes sense. So when you preach to people that you can have a mansion and Cadillacs and private jets, someone in the third world country is like, why? Does that make sense? Listen, I'm not against people having money. I'm not against you having things. I just don't want things to have you. Big difference. If God can trust you with those things, 
then by all means, let's keep it on, bring it on, because guess what? It won't stay there for long, because you're finding places to just sow and give and bless and expand the kingdom. But sometimes we turn this whole idea that, well, what do you mean he wants me to have my best life now, like it's a self-help book? No, it's a Jesus-help book. It's a Jesus-help life where he wants to minister to you and help you in these issues. And not only that, sharing that with others. When you experience salvation, when you experience his goodness, you're inspired to do what? Share that with others. It's not just about us, right? And it goes on and on and on. Otherwise, what happens is we just continue to keep the chaos and the confusion and the conflict in circulation. And guess what? We never experience the peace of God in our lives. That's why it's important. We have to choose the important over the urgent because it brings peace in our lives. But will we choose the important over the urgent? That's really the question. How about this question? How do we know when we are choosing the urgent over the important? Because for a lot of us, I mean, I'll tell myself, there's been so many times in my life where I'm choosing the urgent rather than the important. Well, here's just three ways to, to see if we are choosing the urgent over the important. Number one, say number one, we're unproductive. We're unproductive. How many have lists? I have lists everywhere. I'm melancholy. Lists. I have a reminder app that reminds me of things, and it helps a lot. Like, I, I use it constantly. This is where technology is nice. I'll be like, uh, hey, Siri. But I'll say, remind me tonight when I get home to do this at 5 p.m. I love the reminder apps, but you know I have things on my, my reminders that I'll be reminded but, you know, I have these reminders on my phone, and, and it, it will come up again and again and again, and I'll be like, oh, that's right, I forgot to do that. And so now I have a list of a list that I didn't do. So my to-do list is now a list you didn't do, but you still need to do list, right? You have, you have those lists in life, so you have all these different lists and all these things, and, and, and you ever realize that you have so much going on and so many things on this list or the agenda, but nothing is really getting done? I mean, for me, sometimes I'll, I'll go on and be like, oh, I've accomplished so much. And I look at the list, I'm like, I really haven't, though. Because what's happened is urgent things, air quotes, urgent things have come up, and then I've forgotten the important things. And so usually what's left on the list is the important things, not the urgent things, or the things that are screaming louder than the important things. You, you need to do, I mean, just walking through your house, if you, you're going down to the basement to get something and you make three stops and forget on the way, you go back there you're like, oh man, I was going, me and Kay, we're the only ones. We need prayer for our minds in Jesus' name. But has this happened to you? And so we have all these lists, but nothing's getting done. Do you know that this is really... This is really uniquely American, or we could even say Western culture. I mean, much of the world doesn't live at the pace that we live in. We are fast-paced, right? I mean, there's so much we have to do. We have these lists. We have all this technology. But it still seems as if we just can't quite get things done. And I was thinking about this. Our culture, Western culture, views busyness as significance. If you're busy, then you must be special. You, you must be significant. Think about that. We feel that being fatigued and tired all the time, it's just a normal way of life. This is how we should live life. Just try this experiment, okay? This week as you're going through life, I'm sure most of you, you look very, very friendly. So when you're at work or wherever you are, you probably say things like, hey, how you doing? Hey, what's going on, right? Now, most people respond with fine, which isn't true. They just don't want to go into details with you, Right? Or every so often, you say, how are you doing to someone? You really didn't mean it, 
and they just like verbally vomit on you for 15 minutes. You ever experience that? You're like, I didn't really mean it. Can I take the words back, right? Now, maybe that's an opportunity to actually listen because you could be maybe that, that healing, that, that balm of healing they need in their life. So listen to people, be present. But most of the time when you ask, just try this experiment and come back and tell me if I'm wrong. Ask people, hey, how you doing? Usually one or two responses. I'm busy or I'm tired. I'm so busy. I've got so much going on in my life. I'm so tired. Or both. I'm so busy and I'm so tired. Right? Because we, we wear these things like badges of honor, like I'm really accomplishing. I'm really doing something in life. But the truth is we're actually being unproductive because we are choosing the urgent over the important. Does that make sense? Here's some fun facts for you. The first public clock was displayed in, in a town in the 1300s. Now, historians believe that this had a huge impact and shift in how we do life. See, before these mechanical clocks, people just lived according to the sun. If the sun came up, oh, I guess I better get up. If the sun went down, it's like, well, I guess I'll go to sleep now. Then came the invention, Thomas Edison, bless his soul, of the light bulb. How many love light bulbs? How many love to have lights? So, you know, the invention of the light bulb was this huge deal because guess what? Now we could turn lights on at night when we couldn't see. So we had clocks that put us into a time, time frame. Do you know that we actually get less done now than we did before they had actual physical clocks? So we have clocks and we have light bulbs. Do you know with the invention of the light bulb, these factories began to run third shifts? That's where third shifts came from. It's like, we have light now. So guess what? We can work 24-7 and get more done. But in the meantime, we're just burning people out. But think of this process. Do you know that before the invention of the light bulb, in clocks, you know, the average person would get nine to 11 hours of sleep a night. Can I have one night like that? I'm not talking to teenagers. That's their mode of life. I get it. But like as, but as adults, right? Nine to 11 hours of sleep. Now, what do we say about people like that today? <gasps> See, I'm praying for you guys. No, but we say, wow, you're just lazy but they were actually getting sleep. They would go with the rhythm and flow of the seasons. They would go with the sun coming up and the sun going down. And there was a sense of rest and this sense of peace. And I believe what's happened is we are choosing the urgent over the important and it's wreaking havoc in our lives. So think about this. Number one, what happens? How do you know when you're choosing the urgent over the important? We're unproductive. Number two, see number two, we're unhappy. We're unhappy. Now, I was thinking about this this morning as I was just praying a little bit and going over my notes. I'm thinking, we live in a very unhappy society. Look around, the TV shows, the so just look. People are not happy, folks, which is crazy to me because we have everything that our heart could ever desire at our fingertips, and we're still not happy. Isn't that mind-blowing? Everything that we could need, it's there. It's at our fingertips. I mean, you just hit one button 24-7. You get anything you want, pretty much. I mean, the stores are pretty much open whenever you want. Whatever you want, it's there for you. We can order it on Amazon any time of day and have it shipped within one or two days to our doorstep. Right? We're just unhappy. 
There's a cardiologist, his name is Dr. Meyer Friedman, and actually he and one of his colleagues, they came up with the theory that that type A behavior of chronically angry and impatient people increases their risk of heart failure. Like it's literally leading to issues and heart issues in our life. But he also calls this unhappy life, he coined it a phrase, it's this, hurry sickness. You ever heard of that? Hurry sickness. Here's a definition. It's a pattern of behavior characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness, an overwhelming and continual sense of urgency. There's that word. See, we're choosing urgency over important. And it's messing, it's messing with it. even physically, it's affecting us. A spiritual director, Ruth Haley Barton, she writes this Many of us have no idea how addicted we are to human striving hard work, and performance-oriented drivenness until we actually stop. I think about when we have our family nights. Every Friday night, our house is open, and it's great when, when the kids and grandkids are up from Louisiana because it's really full in our really small uh, three-bedroom, one-bathroom, one-bathroom house. Now, we do have a bathroom outside. There's a tree that's specific for the males, if need be. But, you know, when we get together, there's, I mean... It's just like, it's like bliss and chaos and laughter and fighting. And, you know, the kids are fighting and we're like, what's going on now? But then we laugh and they're having fun and we're playing games and eventually we're fighting because we're very competitive, but it's fun. And there's just all this, it's like it becomes this white noise of just all kinds of emotion and goodness. And it's just full and it's awesome. And then everyone leaves for the evening. And usually I'll sit down on the couch when everyone's gone and it's like, I'll sit down and it's like, Kristen, like what? It's so quiet. We didn't realize how loud and boisterous it was until it stopped. And so we're like, wow. Now, I'm not trying to, you know, I love family night. Family night is not bad. But what I'm saying is we don't even see how, how our life is striving and how overworked we are and performance-oriented and driven until we stop. You feel awkward yet? That's what I'm saying. It's peace, but, but here's the thing. It was quiet. It was dead air. It was dead space. And we're not comfortable with that. We've got to have something in the background. We have to have something going. There's always got to be some kind of drama going on in our life. We feel like we need that. And so just that little experiment on purpose, I stopped and I waited, what, maybe 12, 15 seconds and I could feel how awkward it became. They're like, is he going to say anything else? What, did he go catatonic? What is going on? Does he need prayer? Does he need help? No, I just wasn't talking. I think we need more dead air and more dead space in our lives. It's important. Barton went on to give 10 signs. I just want to go over these real quick. If, of people who may be suffering from hurried sickness. Number one, irritability. I've been there. I'm asking a question, and for some reason, I mean, and, and I know that I'm irritable because people go, what, oh, did, did, are you offended? Are you okay? I'm like, no, I just answered the question. What's wrong? <laughs> Irritability. Hypersensitivity, or we could say easily offended. Here, here's a good one. Restlessness. When you try to rest, 
You can't shut your mind off. There's just too much going on. There's too much of, of the sense of urgency that I have to get something done. We almost feel guilty for resting, compulsive overworking, emotional numbness. Oh, this one's good. Escapist behaviors. I'm talking to you Netflix bingers right now. I'm looking right at you right now. <laughs> Listen, same here. Just one more episode. But you're falling asleep. I don't care. I have to know what happens. Just one more episode to fill my, I won't say this, but what I'm saying is to fill the void in my life because I feel like I need to fill it with something. Think about this. Any type of behavior that's addictive, addictive behaviors, alcohol, food, pornography, binge watching, you know, eating too much, it all stems from this escapist behavior. Like I'm trying to escape from what? There's nothing going on. Maybe you need that. It, it amazes me, we've been studying so much on and reading up on this screen time for children. I mean, it's become an epidemic, and I'm not trying to get on a soapbox about this. Listen, you handle your kids how you handle them, but I tell you, those great babysitters are harming our children. And this is how I know. I simply say, turn it off, and a demon manifests. And she's like, honey, just put your phone down. No, but... But, but with, with the kids, right? Like you, you take the screen away and so we've been trying to implement these things. But here's another thing. I've noticed this. There's literally in times where I'm like, okay, because what I love about Apple devices is we have screen time. And so I have a certain amount of time per day that that device can be used and then it just shuts down. The screen just goes gray. And it's like, dad, what happened? But you know, when I pull that device away, here's usually the first words out of their mouth within a minute or two minutes. I'm bored. And I'll be like, well, good. (gasps) Good? It's good that I'm bored? I'm like, yes, you need boredom in your life. See, now as adults, we get it a little more, right? Like the whole idea of a vacation is to be bored. I'm going to pay you thousands of dollars to go lay somewhere and just like let the sun bake me till I'm a completely different color. White people are jealous, okay? We want a little more color. But let's just bake in the sun, a couple drinks, doing nothing. Why? Because we seek boredom. We need to break away from all the urgency, the sense of urgency that's always coming at us 24-7, it feels like. Because some of us, we can't sleep because we're thinking about the project that's due or what we have to do, and we can't even get sleep. Disconnected from identity and calling. That's big. Oh, this is good. Another sign, hoarding energy. Usually we spend all of our energy on ourselves, and then we have nothing left to give anyone else. And the list still isn't done. Are you following me here this morning? Not able to attend to human needs, including our own slippage in our spiritual practice. This list is big, and this list was, was tough because I, I read through it for the first time this week and went, Ouch. Ooh. Ooh. Do you ever felt that? Like you read something like, oh, I think there's truth right there. The truth hurts a little bit. But it's good for us to, to talk about these things, right? So, so far we looked at being unproductive. We looked at being unhappy. A third way we know we are choosing the urgent over the important is this. We're unloving. And I left this last because I wanted to make the most impact. I mean, we are followers of Christ. Yes? Followers of Christ, believing in his way of doing life, and yet we're unloving. Now, no condemnation. We're all growing in the journey, right? 
I'm definitely more loving than I used to be. Do I have some room to improve? Absolutely. But the thing is, if our lifestyle is unloving, how can we say we're Christ-like? I said this last week, I heard this quote from this guy, and if you weren't here, this is good. I really want to live by this quote. When someone asks him, are you a Christian? Which means, are you Christ-like, right? Are you a Christian? He says, I don't know, hang out with me for a little bit, and then you tell me. I mean, how can we call ourselves Christ-like? How do we know? I mean, we're skewed sometimes. We have blind spots in our life. Let others go, man, he is so (laughs) Christ-like. That's the way it should be, right? But we're unloving. The truth is, when you don't take the time to tend to your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual needs, guess what? You're not the only victim. It affects everybody. Everyone suffers when we don't take care of ourselves. So it's not just being unloving to others. The the biggest issue is loving ourselves. I mean, I've struggled for years. There's still days where I struggle loving myself because I just see myself for who I think I am. But see, I need to see myself for who he says I am. So here's the truth. I always have the time to live the life that God gave me to live. Let me say that again. I always have the time to live the life that God gave me to live. And I can live that life fully when I choose the important over the urgent. See, Jesus displayed this unhurried present way of living constantly in his ministry. I love this in the Gospel of Matthew. If you're there, just flip over to chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Now, I've preached this many ways about, you know, religion, and I got into what, you know, the Latin means for that. But sometimes, you know that we make our career and our work religion? We make our mode of life religion. I believe Jesus is talking more than just a religious do you go to church thing. He's saying, are you just burned out on this lifestyle that you're living, on the way that you're going in life, where you're choosing the urgent over the important? He says, get away with me. Why? Because if you do, you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me Watch how I do it. You know why I love that statement? Because it means he's there. He's not going anywhere. In fact, he's saying, just listen, listen. Step back for a minute. Watch how I do it. Watch how I respond to that situation. Watch how I respond to that sense of urgency when it comes my way. Work with me and walk with me. But these six words transform my life. I love this version. Eugene Peterson, the message. He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. A lot of us, we need to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Do you you notice how it's unforced? See, when I'm trying to love people, when I'm trying to be happy, when I'm trying to be successful, when I'm trying to be gracious, I'm operating out of my own willpower. See, this is an unforced rhythm of grace. We say we're doing life together, Jesus. You are my strength. I need you in this moment. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How many can use some of that right about now? See, the problem isn't needing more time. Imagine if someone came to you and said, I figured it out. I can get you 26 hours a day, two more hours. Now, we'd be like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Now, what we should do is go, cool, I can sleep. But most of us say, awesome, I can get some more urgent things done. What would we fill that time with, right? 
But the thing is, the problem isn't, I should say, needing more time. It's how we pace ourselves. It's what we choose as important over urgent. It's learning to live in those unforced rhythms of grace. So here's the question. What do you want most over what do you want now? What do you want most over what you want now? Because sometimes what we do is we choose the now instead of what we want most in the future. Now let's talk practical because if, you know, if it's not something that we can put into practice every day or at least day by day, then what are we doing here? Not just here in this building, but what are we doing in life? Now I know right now some are saying, come on, pastor, give me something spiritual. You just give me some self-help stuff. No, no, listen, listen. Everything is spiritual. I mean, it's all connected. Everything is spiritual. So these things do matter. Making these decisions do matter. And this isn't legalistic. Sometimes we've gone so far the way of grace that we think, you know, accountability, lists, you know, um, uh, you know having some sense of faithfulness that, oh, don't, don't get legal on me. It's like, that's not legal. These are things that you should live out of the kingdom. They should be the natural flow, unforced rhythms of grace. And so we get hung up sometimes on terminology. But listen, being faithful is good. When I'm faithful to my wife, I stay married. Imagine that. When I'm committed to a relationship, I maintain that relationship. So being committed to something, being faithful to something is not legalistic. It's how we are as followers of Christ. And here's the thing. How can we help others, another person in this world, if we're burnt out and your life is full of chaos and confusion and conflict? So just a few things real quick, and then I want to have a little Q&R here. Some of you need a bedtime. You need a bedtime, talking to myself, because you need sleep. Maybe you need to write down, I'm going to bed every night at this time. And the first few nights, you're going to lay there, and it's going to be like, is this what hell is like? (laughs) I mean, I can't go to sleep. I get it. Try it for a couple weeks. Eventually, you'll begin to go to sleep because you're training your body. Listen, this isn't legalistic stuff. I'm not telling you you have to. Follow spirit. But I think some of us just need more sleep. Some of us, especially if we're having, you know, turmoil in our relationships, we need to schedule a date night with our spouse. Like Chris and I do. I mean, that's the only way we have date nights is if we put it on a calendar. You're like, oh, that's, how, hey, at least we have them. How many have you had? No, don't tell me if you guys go on dates all the time. You don't have kids. It's not fair. <laughs> but if you're having turmoil in your relationship, put a date night on the calendar. If you're looking for a relationship to be built with your children or your family, just start with this. One or two nights a week, say, we're having dinner at the dinner table. The kids will be like, where is that at? Oh, is it the thing piled up with mail and stuff? Yes, we're going to clean it off, and we're going to have family night. And guess what? All the devices can stay in the other room. And I know at first you're going to freak out. Like you're at this table with human beings, and you're like, can I text them? It's like, no, talk to them. They're right there right? I'm being facetious, but it's just the truth of how we've become so addicted to these devices and we can't even have conversations. I I talk to this generation sometimes. I'm like, I don't even know. I'm trying to use words and communicate and it's not working for some reason. With their own kids, I'm like, put the phone down. My gosh, I just want to talk to you. But see, I've been just as guilty. We've had to learn to put the screens down. 
You know, when we're at the, when we're at family night, like we still haven't done this, but we, we all try to put our stuff away. We just need to have a basket at the front door. We just turn them in. You know what's wild I found? Have you ever left your phone at home? And at first, like you're, you're too far away to get it. It was sheer terror. It took an hour to get over it. Like psychologically, you thought you were going to have to get counseling because like, how am I going to function? But then you get home and you realize you're okay. You're okay. You, you actually could answer the email eight hours later and it was okay, right? We need to choose the important over the urgent. Some of you need to schedule quiet time, rest time for your soul. Do you feel how awkward it was earlier when I stopped for like 15 seconds? That's a sign. Here's your sign. You need some quiet time. Again, this isn't legalistic. This is healthy for you. I believe Holy Spirit inspired me to say some of these things today. Not all of them, some were mine. But I believe he inspired me to say some of these things today because we need quiet time. We need time, rest for our soul, just put things down and just breathe and just allow silence. And at first, just like when you try to do the bedtime, it's like, what is going on? I'm laying here and nothing's happening. I thought I was supposed to go to sleep. It's going to happen in this area too. You're going to be like, it's so quiet. Can I just put on some music? Nothing wrong with that. But maybe for a while, don't put anything on. Listen to the silence. It's this crazy, weird thing of nothing. But we need it. It brings rest to our soul. And I believe as kingdom people, in order for us to, to walk forward and to receive healing and wholeness and be able to uh, give that to others, we need to start doing some of these things for our own health. Does that make sense? Again, come on, Pastor, why are we hearing about this? Just give me something spiritual. I am, because everything is spiritual. If you don't put the important on your calendar, the urgent will fill up your calendar without asking. If you don't put the important on your calendar, like I'm putting this down because this matters, the urgent will fill up your calendar without asking. How rude of urgent. My grandson, like if you say something he doesn't like, or you tell him, who goes, he'll say, shut up, you're rude. It's cute right now, right? Until he's like 15. I'm like, what'd you say to me? No. He's just a little dude, but he'll go, shut up, you're rude. And we just kind of laugh and snicker. But maybe we need to tell urgency, shut up, you're rude. You'll never forget that, will you? When that urgency comes up, shut up, you're rude. Of course, we've, we're training them out of that. We tell them you can't pe tell people to shut up. You can tell them they're rude, but you can't tell them to shut up. Anyone have any feedback or questions? Now, don't be embarrassed. Just ask the question. I might repeat it in the microphone so we can have it on the podcast, and I won't mention your name. But So over a year ago, you made a bedtime for yourself, and it's changed your life. Wow. Wow. And then the other statement was, do you have cameras in my house? Because this was for me. <laughs> But, I mean, we all feel like that, you know. It's, it's not just you. It's, it's all of us. We all deal with these things, right? I mean, these, these are human issues. And so I believe they need to be dealt with. And I, I believe that this is a great place to do it and do it together without condemnation and without shame. Because, listen, we all have blind spots. We all have issues that we miss in life. Can I get another amen? Right? No one's perfect here. And I think that's the key is sometimes this building that we gather in that we call the church, we come to this place and we put on our Sunday best, which this apparently is about as good as I could do. But we put on our Sunday best and we put on our best smiles and then we pretend. Because we don't want people to know that we struggle and that we suffer from an illness or an addiction because what would they think about me? 
But most people would go, oh my gosh, you have stuff too? Let's work together. Let's get through this together. That's why this place is important. And it's important that we have openness and transparency. Now, you don't have to tell everyone all your stuff. That's why I say that there's different levels of friendship. We'll probably talk about that again this year. But, you know, you have to have people you can, uh, you know, confidently, you know, in confidence, you can tell them things that you know they're not going to put on Facebook or tell their whole family. Right? You ever had that happen? You're like, I'm not opening up to anyone ever again. But this is a place where you can find people like that to say, I'm struggling. I have issues. And, and some of the stuff is like, wow, I never, I never would have pictured that. But thanks, brother. Thanks, sister, for being honest. Uh, let, let's, let's be accountable. Let's help each other. Do you, do you need some professional help? What can we do to get you better? Because, you know, sometimes we're like, let Jesus do all the work. Jesus works through you and I. That's why he said, you know, if, if you give someone a drink, if you close someone who, someone who's naked, if you feed someone who's hungry, it's just like doing it to me. Do you know how we love God? Because I hear messages about, you need to love God, you need to love God more, you need to just give more love to God. Do you know how we love God? By loving people. Because that's the image and likeness of God standing right before you. And, and we're, listen, I'm all about quiet time and I'm about prayer closets, right? Which we'll get into later. Prayer closet was a Jewish term too. So hold that one in your memory bank. We'll talk about that. So it's good to have time. But sometimes we're so far and we're so away that we're not there for anybody. And we have our little intimate relationship with Jesus, but we have no relationship with anyone else. You know, the early church, there wasn't even some dude up here preaching. Early church was house to house, and they would open scripture and discuss it together. You know what's awesome about that? There was less of a chance of going off the rails on some weird theology, because you had people there that you were accountable to. That's why we're having this discussion. So Ken said the Holy Spirit showed him this week that he, he was just running everywhere, and he needs to slow down and, and work to enter that rest. That's a great scripture, isn't it? Because it shows you that it's not easy. We actually have to strive or work to find rest. That's good. I, I mean, I do, I really literally think that all of us can hear the voice of the Spirit. And so that's something. We, I think the way that you know in my own life, in certain facets of my life, I know when I have received enough healing because it starts to flow out to others. Like I'll change my view on something and then I start to act differently in that area. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm walking in love the area and I didn't before. So we have to love ourselves. It starts there, you know. I No, actually where it starts is First John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. So it starts with his love for us. See, it's, it's, I think that's how we can keep it on, on, on point. If it's just getting a book, self-help and self-love, I think we missed the point. It's when we connect to the divine and our creator and we open up to that love as we begin to receive that love that begins to change and heal us. But then what we don't do is stay selfish. We actually open up now for others. So I think that's maybe the key there, but you're right. I mean, you can, I mean, this message, you take out the scripture verses, it could sound like something you could go to a conference and just be the best you ever, right? But see, what I don't want to do is sometimes in Christianity, we've made things bad. Like for instance, meditation. I remember in the 80s and 90s, you grew up in church and we're like, uh, you know, be careful of meditation. And those people, they're, they're sitting there and they're, they're, they're just meditating. Well, God is the one who came up with the concept of meditation. I mean, we all meditate on something. What are you meditating on? And so to find a quiet place or space and to open yourself up to the divine and to meditate on what he's saying about you is really good. Just because the world may have gone a different way with that. Right? I think there's some truth to what they're doing. They might just be like a little bit over here. They don't quite get it. 
But the same thing with self-help. I mean, we need help. I need help. I, I, I didn't get help in areas of my life until I was honest and said, I need help. And stop, you know, we call it faith in it. No, you're faking it. So I open up to brothers. I got this issue. I'm, I'm struggling with this. I open up to my wife. I got these issues. I'm struggling with this. Being vulnerable. Because guys, let's be honest. I mean, how many of us want to tell our wives that we have issues and we're struggling? And oh, we'll cry, baby. Well, the truth is those things actually made her trust me more. I'm still working on that stuff, you know. But um, shoot, I cry all the time. I was, I was crying at the cartoon movie the other day. But, you know, <laughs> I'm open with my feelings, man. But, but does it answer kind of, I mean, that response is that there, there is a level of it all becoming about us, like everyone just in their corner helping themselves. I think the key is that we're connecting with the divine. We're connecting with our father and he's showing us love. He's, he, he's light as well. And so he's, he's exposing areas in our heart that, in our soul, that, that our lies we believe about him and ourselves. But as we see him, it's not to bring shame, it's to bring healing. And so as we heal in those areas, our response isn't to, I'm going to stay within myself. It's the, I got to share this with someone. Who else is hurting in this way? So I think that's how we can know. Can I pray for you guys? Can I pray for you guys? Awesome. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. It's just so good to be with a group of people where we can be open and honest and just share how we feel. Um, I just pray that this wouldn't become a self-help program. It would become a Jesus help, Holy Spirit help program where you work through us as individuals and then together we just deal with the stuff of life. We, we, we desire healing. We desire wholeness. We desire the salvation in those areas of our life where we struggle. And so I pray that you're already lining up friendships and, and relationships that can help us on our journey. But I pray that none of us would feel ashamed. We wouldn't feel unworthy because of what we deal with. We'd realize that there is true help beyond today in these areas. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I trust you. My heart is open to you. Holy Spirit, if there's anything in my life that I'm believing that's a lie about you, about myself, or about others, I ask you to show that to me. In Jesus, by an act of my will, I'm open. I give you permission to heal those areas in my life. I know it won't be overnight. It's a process. But also, Holy Spirit, help me to be open to relationship with others. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.